Hello and welcome to All Being Equal. I'm Bernadette McSherry, the Director of the Melbourne Social Equity Institute, which supports interdisciplinary research across the University of Melbourne, which aims to ameliorate disadvantage. Just a warning in advance that some listeners may find the subject matter distressing because this episode draws on interviews with those involved in Australia's worst bushfires that occurred in Victoria on the 7th of February 2009. I just want to emphasise that we won't be dwelling on what happened, rather we'll be focusing on the growth that can occur for people from their exposure to trauma. In the studio with me are Rhonda Obotomy, who describes herself as a Black Saturday bushfire-bereaved trauma insider and a common-sense advocate, and Associate Professor Louise Harms from the Department of Social Work at the University of Melbourne. So, Rhonda, if I start with you, how did this project come about? I'd like to start by explaining that I actually lost three of my own family members in the Black Saturday bushfires in 2009. And Late in 2012, so almost four years after the fires occurred and I was still immersed in a lot of bushfire-related matters, um, I met with Lou Harms and we were introduced on a Black Saturday-related matter but nothing to do with this actual project. And in the course of that conversation over a coffee, I was telling Lou conversationally about some of the advocacy I'd been doing, being on an advisory group for the bereaved advisory group for government and involvement with the Royal Commission and the um, trial related to the fires. And Lou, um, and that I'd written some poetry and um, but that my writings had ended up in the Melbourne Museum and that I'd also launched my own bushfire recovery initiative, all as things that I've never had any experience with before. And Lou said, um, oh, that sounds like uh, a really good example of post-traumatic growth. And my ears pricked up instantly and I thought, wow, it's almost four years since Black Saturday and I've been given a lot of material, most of it about all the incapacity that happens to you from being exposed to that sort of trauma. But I've never heard the words post-traumatic growth and I instantly thought, what a shame. What a waste to not know that as a normal part of trauma reaction, you could have the experience of post-traumatic growth and that there's a formal term for it. And in that moment, in a throwaway line over coffee, I expressed a wish. I said, I wish there were resources given to people about post-traumatic growth and I wish I had heard other people's accounts of their experience of post-traumatic growth. And Lou contacted me about a month later and she said, how would you be interested in trying to put up a proposal for some interdisciplinary research exploring Black Saturday post-traumatic growth. And I thought, I would love to do that. Well, Lou, that's that's an amazing uh, way of instigating a research project. Uh, can you tell us a bit about post-traumatic growth? Because I think people have heard about post-traumatic stress, but maybe not necessarily this term. And, and you know, what sparked off your interest in, in working with Rhonda on this? Yes, so post-traumatic growth is actually a term that's been around uh, at least since the 1990s, mid-1990s. Richard Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun in the States really coined the term and it was out of their research and practice experience uh, with survivors primarily of health crises, recognising that, yes, there was the damage and losses of those health crises, but that many people reported new strengths. Post-traumatic growth, therefore, has been really conceptualised around three areas of, of positive adaptation after trauma. And that's really um, that people are frequently reporting an enhanced sense of self. 
so that they are reporting uh, new confidence, new skills, new uh, identity there. They're reporting an enhanced sense of um, worldview, so a sense of the world fitting together differently and, and positively typically, uh, and also an enhanced sense of relationships with other people. And so we often hear about the losses of relationship, but in fact what this taps into is that people at least perceive that other people are there for them um, if they're not receiving directly that, that social support. So those three domains have been there in the literature. It's really only been in the last three years that those areas have been applied to a post-disaster context. So we're very excited to be in that wave of research that's focusing in on not only people's uh, post-traumatic stress, but the ways in which they've experienced the world positively. And, and Rhonda, when you, you heard Lou's words about post-traumatic growth, that obviously sparked off an interest in you. Can you perhaps explain to us what post-traumatic growth has meant for you? Post-traumatic growth actually has been a really important part of my trauma experience because it's become, it's an anchor of hope and it's a small ray of light within a very, very dark experience. And so I've really used that as a really important tool, but I didn't have any language for it. It was quite an isolating experience because people didn't talk about it and those words certainly were never used. And so I didn't have any points of connection around my growth. Hearing Lou use the words actually gave me a language that I really needed and that I didn't have. And for me, the examples of it were in getting involved in things and meeting people, forming new relationships and having experiences that just would not have been part of my life but for the, um, the trauma experience that I had. Well, can you tell us a bit more about that? Because uh, apparently you've written poems as a result? Well, it started off, I just started writing after the fires for myself for some reflective pieces of writing just as a coping strategy and as a way of getting down those feelings. So it was quite a private experience. Um, and then when the after the first anniversary happened and in, or in the process of the organising of events for that first anniversary, um, some of my writing was shared and from there it was some of it was turned into poetry and then I started writing poetry just myself straight off the bat. Similar was the experience of launching a bushfire recovery initiative which was called Sock Day, Seeds of Compassion, and that was just an initiative to again draw on the positive experiences and add resources into this space of trying to um, bring some extra tools to help people cope. And it was a very simple initiative. I'm a great believer in the KISS principle, uh, you know, keep it simple. And it's the same with the post-traumatic growth project. The most simple element of it and one of the key goalposts is start using the words because if people don't know the words post-traumatic growth exists, there's no invitation into that space well, Lou, um, I'm interested in how you worked out the methodology for a project uh, that explores something quite new. Mm. It was a really important discussion and where the interdisciplinary team became really critical around thinking through the kind of space we wanted to create for the interviewees. And we also wanted a really important link there with social equity. So this is the bit preceding the, the methodology, if you like, that just as you've said, Rhonda, the issues of the living with both the positive and negative issues, um, that we felt that many people might find it more acceptable to talk about areas of growth and 
change, if not positive change, then talk about post-traumatic stress. We know people who experience post-traumatic stress disorder are often very hard to reach. Um, and we felt that this was actually a way of opening up a conversation that was not going to be threatening and might actually open up some of the distress story as well as the positive story. And that's very important in terms of the research literature that talks about always a positive, moderate, if not strong correlation between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth. So there was a social equity aim to what we wanted to do. And so that infused the methodology also in the sense of reaching as many people as we could. And one of the constant reminders that Rhonda has brought not only to our team, but I think certainly statewide, if not nationally, um, is to rethink what it means to be fire affected, that it's not a geographic community only that is affected. So our methodology, we wanted to ensure that we heard voices from a whole range of experiences. And so ensuring that we were reaching different geographical communities, urban, regional, rural, um, different ways in which people might be affected, whether they were professionally involved in the, the bushfire response or personally affected or both. And we've managed to get all, all of those voices and also to work with both men and women. So that presented a number of challenges for recruitment and uh, widening that net as much as we could. Um, but then really the study was designed to be um, giving voice to the experience of post-traumatic growth. And so a, a broadly semi-structured interview seemed to be the way to give the participant the direction in that interview. Um, and then we have formally followed that up with a standardised instrument to um, objectively measure post-traumatic growth. And interestingly, our study is finding that there's there's some correlation and connection between the themes, but the interviews have opened up some new areas of growth that we really want to pursue um, because we think they've actually been the, the real hooks for people to, to grow from. Well, you mentioned this was uh, a team of interdisciplinary researchers. So what, what disciplines were involved? We've got a, an artist, a computer scientist, a medical educator and another social work colleague and myself as a social worker and Rhonda as a survivor and, and often someone who said it was the voice from the kitchen. And and what do you see as, I suppose, the the impact from this research project on practice? We had some really defined goalposts. It's around firstly, bringing the word post-traumatic growth and trying to mainstream it into the broader public and um, response space. And we've also generated some specific post-traumatic growth resources based on the content provided by the interviewees. So the project's very much about honouring the voice of trauma insiders from whatever capacity they entered that space and reflecting their knowledge and expertise and, and marrying it together with the expertise of the um, of the academic space and really producing the best we can out of that marriage of expertise from both sides, the, the ex lived experience and then that more, more formal um, analysis of that information. So we have um, a, a website which will be launched in no early November and it reflects those voices of ex experience. And Lou, for you, I, I assume that this sort of project uh, can be rolled out looking at, at other 
forms of, of trauma as well. Mm. And that's very much where we're at as a team, looking at what are the next steps with that. So as well as the web-based resource that uh, Rhonda's mentioned, the academic papers need to roll out of this. And so uh, Rhonda has uh, drafted a paper around the, being an insider researcher. We have uh, two core papers out, um, or not out yet, uh, under development and ready to submit around the phenomenon of post-traumatic growth and the barriers and enablers of post-traumatic growth, because there are so many practice and policy implications. But I think for us at this point in time, it is we've tested these ideas. We've found that there's real room to scale this up and uh, looking with the team at, at how we do that. Well, it's a wonderful example of a community-led project. And Rhonda, just finally, what's your experience been of, of working with researchers? It's been a wonderful experience. Um, I think there's been a lot of courage in this space. I think courage on the part of the university to embrace that bringing together of lived experience and academic rigour. It's been a, a really interesting, engaging experience, very positive, and I feel like the outcomes, which I did forget to mention, we also have a, an exhibition, like a physical exhibition and a roving roadshow, which we're starting to use to be able to share that information as part of our pathway to working towards the bigger version of what we're doing. Well, congratulations to you both. It's very, very important work. And thank you so much for coming in to tell us a little bit about it. My guests today were Associate Professor Louise Harms and Rhonda Obotomy. More information about post-traumatic growth and this research can be found on the team's website and that's at www.posttraumagrowth, which is all one word, .net or by email to blacksaturday-ptg at unimelb.edu.au and we'll put those uh, links on our website as well. If you're experiencing negative impacts of trauma, we encourage you to talk to a health professional or contact the Beyond Blue support service. And that line is on 1300 224636. That's 1300 224636. Or Lifeline on 131114. Thanks to producer Gary Dixon and audio engineer Gavin Nabar. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher to make sure you never miss an episode. I'm Bernadette McSherry. Thanks for listening.